0: Let me read a few verses uh, for us from Leviticus chapter 25, verses 20 through 22. If you're able, would you stand, please, for the reading of God's word? Leviticus chapter 25, verses 20 through 22. I referenced these verses in a sermon a couple of weeks ago. Should you ask, what shall we eat in the seventh year, if we may not sow or gather in our crop? I will order my blessing for you in the sixth year so that it will yield a crop for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating from the old crop. Until the ninth year, when, it produ- when its produce comes in, you shall eat the old. This is the word of God. And you can be seated. I wanted to put this passage in front of us before I invite our, our panel up for a couple of reasons. One, some of you came here this morning... Ready and primed to hear a sermon. And you're not going to hear a sermon today. You're going to hear a panel discussion. And I want to uh, remind us that the discussion that we have in place of a sermon today is rooted deeply in the Scriptures. Amen? Amen. This is not just some people's ideas. These are stories and reflections from women and men, your sisters and brothers, who have spent years working to orient their lives around the truth of Scripture. While you're not hearing a traditional sermon today, you are hearing testimonies and reflections and encouragements from people who have said God's word is true. Uh, The reality of God is the most important reality in the world. And I, as best I can, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of Jesus, I'm going to orient, I'm going to rearrange my life around the reality of God. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, whenever we talk about Sabbath... Our minds tend to go very practical, and that's not a bad thing because we're talking about a day or at least some hours that we're setting aside to live differently, and that raises all sorts of very specific and practical questions. And I want us to be reminded this morning that as we have a very practical conversation, the scriptures also engage with the practical nature of Sabbath-keeping, The author here records God anticipating the kind of practical questions that the people would have when told to take a sabbatical year, a seventh year. God himself anticipates the practical questions. Okay, but if if we don't sow our fields, then how are we going to reap? How are we going to eat? There is no more practical question than that. And God anticipates that. And says, you will have such a harvest in the previous year that you will be okay for the years to come until you can begin sowing again. So when we have practical conversations about the word of God, these are not less than the conversations or the sermons that feel more quote unquote spiritual. Amen. Like I I need that spiritual elevation. I need that spiritual encouragement. But but then I go back to life, which happens to be very practical. Like I got to pay bills. And I gotta get enough sleep, and I have to wonder if I'm exercising enough, and y- y- you have your own list. And Scripture anticipates that. And what I want us to sit with today is the fact that Sabbath is not some sp- super spiritual thing for the spiritual elite, that Sabbath is for all of us, that it's practical for all of us. So we're going to hear from a few friends, and then we're going to open it up to some of your practical questions today. And, uh, and, and my hope and my prayer for us is that for those of us who have had a hard time uh, imagining what this might look like, that we would leave this place with some very, very practical and specific handholds of how God may be leading us into this. Amen? Amen. All right, so join me in praying, and then we'll invite these friends up. Lord, thank you that your scriptures uh, don't just leave us with good feelings. Don't just leave us with visions that we can never quite attain. We thank you that the the vision for the abundant life, the blessed life that we find in your scripture, is one that is meant to intersect with every single practical element of our lives. That there is nothing that we are meant to leave aside in order to taste and see of the goodness of our God. So, Holy Spirit, would you please now use Richard and Esther and my mom to speak from their experience with you, Into these practical questions and wonderings that we each bring. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you join me in welcoming these folks up? we're not going to spend a lot of time in, in, in introductions because you're going to get to know, uh, these folks if you don't already as they're sharing. And we do want to leave time for conversation with you as well. So we'll start over here with Richard and then work our way back. Describe briefly in as much kind of practical detail as you can, a typical Sabbath day for you.
1: Uh, so yeah, when I, when I thought about this question, uh, Quickly realized uh, I don't really have a typical day. Uh, And that is for reasons that we'll probably get into a little bit later. But what I have tried to do is use uh, Pete Scazzaro's kind of framework as a guide. So I think many many of us, um, maybe it was last year in our small group Bible study times, we were going through uh, emotionally healthy spirituality. In that book, he kind of outlines four things that you can use as a guide. So one is to simply stop, right? And so, for me, that practically means answering emails. Uh, I typically, you know, try to uh, Sabbath on Saturdays. So Saturdays, I'm not answering any emails. Uh, I'm not engaging in any of my like vocational work. And then I'm trying to rest. And and so f- for me, I've realized that rest is not so much. Um, certainly, I'm, I'm stopping physically, but mentally, there's a need to to, to rest as well. And so I try to intentionally. Uh, spend significantly less time on social media, anything that kind of draw my mind in to where I'm constantly thinking. And then I try to identify things that that bring me some sense of joy. So, you know, that, you know, in Chicago, that's going to be in many ways dependent upon the weather, right? And so this time of year, I'm spending a lot of time reading books, maybe watching uh, a game in which I have no interest in, right? Because if you're watching a game in which you care who the winner is, that's not not particularly relaxing. Uh, At least for me, it's not. I don't know. And then you know maybe spending some time around the around the fire pit in the in the fall something like that, and then I'm also trying to spend some time just contemplating, you know really having this is probably the one day of the week where I really spend a lot of time in silence in prayer. It's a it's a chance for me to realize that you know I'm not just stopping to be inactive, but I'm really trying to allow space uh, for God to enter. And, and provide some sense of, of, of healing and, and restoration into those areas of brokenness. Um, so, yeah, that's typically my that's day. Yeah.
2: I don't have a framework. I haven't read a book. Well, I did read a book about Sabbath. But um, <laughs> typically what we do is we go to church, <clears throat> we, go, we go home, we eat lunch, we have quiet reading time is what we call it and um this is where you know we all three read but zach takes a nap so so like we would read and then he would start reading and he would fall asleep and then kezia we, all, we always have to take a picture of him sleeping so there's A picture for, like, every Sunday he takes a nap. So that happens. Um, We go outside. If the weather is nice, we do a bike ride, um, take a walk. We try a new restaurant that we've been wanting to try. Or if there's, like, a fun recipe, we will cook. We generally don't have Kezia watching anything throughout the week, so she'll ask to watch something. So we'll, like, watch Great British Baking Show or, you know, something. But the idea is to do things that are fun, refreshing, and to not do things that are, you know, not fun and not life giving. We were talking about this last night, Zach and I, and realizing that like a lot of what we do is stuff that he likes. And he likes to read. He likes to be, you know, active in nature. He likes to take a nap i don't like to read i don't like to go exercise i don't like to i like to sit around and do nothing and watch stuff and i love memes i'm like basically i try to do not to not do those things on sabbath you know what i mean so like those things i do that i know are not really life-giving so i i try not to do that kind of stuff on
3: the sabbath so yeah Hi, everybody. So, Kevin and I prepare on the night before our Sabbath, which right, right now our Sabbath is on Friday. So, on Thursday night, we'll get through the urgent emails. We'll set up what we need to set up for the next 48 hours so we don't have to do anything that we have to do on Friday. So, that's one of our first things that sets us up for success on Friday. But we are addicted to our Sabbath, we get grumpy. Which is Gerald May's um, addiction of our definition of addiction is if you get grumpy if you can't do something then you are addicted and we are addicted because if we don't get to do it we get grumpy, but we like to ride our bikes or walk to our favorite coffee shop and right now that's Drunken Bean, down at East Park Lake, East Lake Park, really far downtown. It's kind of like a secret garden park. We love it. And so we'll ride the train and we'll ride our bikes to go down there and we'll spend a couple hours down there, walk around downtown, walk around Millennial Park, just enjoying that. But we take our journals and we read our Bibles on our phones. Um, We might talk a little bit, but mostly we're just kind of alone in what God is doing in our hearts and having that quiet time. And then we ride the train home this season of the year or we ride our bikes and then we... um, of go our separate ways. He has his things he likes to do. Like in summertime, it's usually a really long bike ride. And for me, it's sitting in our sunroom and painting. Sometimes there's a dinner out that night or sometimes we're just eating leftovers out of the fridge, but it's like a no work, a no work zone. It's just a a stopping zone, but it's so pleasurable. It's so restful. It just does something to my soul that allows me to face the rest of the week in a healthy way
0: um so i love all the mm, mm, mm. Uh, so that we're gonna i'm gonna kind of direct some of these next questions to particular people just for the sake of time so mom you you start and then to esther and then just a reminder to the three of you we still we you know somewhat succinct in your in your responses um because because we got you got a lot of good stuff and, and these folks have good questions for you how long have you been keeping sabbath and then why did you start keeping sabbath in the first place
3: So I've been keeping Sabbath my whole life. I grew up in a pastor's family in the nineteen fifties and sixties when everybody took Sabbath. Stores were closed, there were no sports on Sundays. And I remember being a certain age, and I wish I remember what age it was when churches were discussing what do we do about soccer on Sundays? You know, how do we participate in that? Because it was a change. Now it doesn't, It seems totally normal to have everything open and be able to do errands and get stuff done. But that was my normal. And so I grew up doing Sabbath and taking it for granted. But my dad was definitely addicted because if we made noise while he was napping, we heard about it. He was grumpy. But when we were in, probably in the late 1990s, started reading books about Sabbath and hearing about it in a different way, not as tradition, but it's something purposeful and life-giving. And so we started moving into that area. And then when Kevin became a pastor in 2008, we lost our Sunday traditional day. And so we had to start choosing Sabbath. And so that's when we started choosing Sabbath.
2: I started keeping Sabbath about 12 years ago. So it's been about 12 years. And... Um, this, well, Newcomb Bronzeville was the first church where I'd heard anything preached about the Sabbath. Before that, I didn't, there wasn't a tradition. I had a weird uncle who, like, wouldn't put gas in on a Sunday. Like, he kept the Sabbath, but he's weird, so nobody cared about what he had to say. I, like, what motivated me was, David, when you preach about something, like, I generally, I'm like, I believe him, you know? I figure, you know, you're the pastor you know what you're talking about so i think 12 years ago like we we're like okay let's 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 try this let's do this there's also this meme i told you i like memes and there's a meme that says how to tell people nicely that they are stupid and it says you can say it like this wisdom has been chasing you but you've always been faster <laughs> and like the way i look at sabbath is like it's a good thing but we are like no thanks. Like oh, I, that stresses me out. So no, I don't, like so I don't want to be stupid. So I just try to do that. Another um, motivation was this book by Walter Brueggemann called Sabbath as Resistance that I read many years ago, and I'm a fan of resisting capitalism. Like that's a theme that I've grown to like, be kind of militantly passionate about. And the lies that we are told every day. And it says that in the book – you should really read it. It says um, that if you start keeping Sabbath, you will live your week differently too. Like it will orient you differently to the powers, the forces of the world. And so I think that idea is very appealing to me.
0: Uh, First three people who email me, I'll buy you that book. So it's a great book. Uh, so Richard and then back to Esther, what are some of the pra- – don't email me right now.
2: <laughs>
0: come on, come on, come on. I'm going to watch the timestamp yeah, on your email. Uh, starting with Richard and then back to Esther, what are some of the practical challenges you faced as you try to keep Sabbath and how have you addressed those challenges?
1: Yeah, I mean practical challenges for me are – you know, the busy schedules of our kids, uh, Saturdays tend to be a really busy time, whether it's dance practice or basketball practice or, you know, different mm-hmm. events. And then, so I also have a wife who, uh, you know, likes to do a lot of things, and and I don't. So that's, that's always, that's always a, a challenge. And so, I, I mean, I've just tried to really not take an all-or-nothing approach. And so, you know, looking at a particular Saturday, recognizing what space can be carved out and just practically trying to, you know, take that and not feel as if I have to, you know, if I can get 18 hours, if I can get 15 hours, then then I'll take it.
2: For us, practical challenges are things like errands and groceries. So just like Linda, we do those all on Saturday. Like Saturdays feel horrible. Saturdays are you know we but we know like it's gonna suck because the next day we're like okay that's gonna be the good day so we do a lot on saturdays cooking for the week that kind of stuff it's a practical challenge is long congregational meetings that happen on sunday afternoons like we're like oh time but that's okay it's not every sunday so it's cool times when uh kezia has nutcracker like in the winter like we hate those but we found out she loves those as part of her sabbath so we're like okay she's a person too we have to ask her what she wants to do on her sabbath
0: and you all may have other questions about some of these things as well we've talked regularly we'll start with with my mom here and then over to esther we've talked regularly how good we as humans are at turning god's gifts into into obligations and burdens so how have you avoided that with sabbath
3: So I saw that very clearly growing up where you had to do Sabbath a certain way and people expected it. But I also saw things that were really special because everybody had a pot roast in the oven at home during church. They might be worried about it, but they had it. And so people invited people into their homes and they had fun times. And I remember the adults would sit around the table and we kids would go run wild out in the city down to the bay or out into the forest, just out on our own, because it was that day and age, right? So that reminder of the pot roast filling the house with a wonderful aroma when you walk in the door, of having people that you really enjoy getting to know or spending time with, of being able to run wild and just explore as much as you wanted, to take those essences into my Sabbath now, to enjoy being with people, to enjoy exploring, to enjoy good food. The fasting, the play are also a very important, I'm sorry, the feasting and the play are such an important part of Sabbath too. So whenever it starts to feel like a burden to me now, I remember we chose this. Um, when it switched in 2008 and Kevin became a pastor and we started sitting aside a specific day for Sabbath, we chose that day and we chose to prepare for it and we chose what we wanted to do. And so if it starts to be a burden, I'm the one that's burdening myself and I don't need to burden myself. I am choosing this and I'm choosing it because it's life giving. So that helps me.
1: I actually haven't really struggled to see it as a burden or an obligation, but I have struggled to see it as a gift. I think so much of what, you know, so many areas of our lives are, you know, the air in which we breathe is so filled with, you know, performative markers, right? So whether we're students you know, trying to, you know, finish medical school, whether we're, um, you know, on our jobs, trying to have a good employee evaluation, uh, even when it comes to things like social media, right, where there's a way to measure our impact. And so then it's, it's become very difficult for me to, like, turn off that switch and interact with God on a basis of grace and unconditional love. And so in many ways, the Sabbath has become kind of a weekly reminder of the truth, and grace of the gospel um you know that i am loved that i am seen that i am valued not because of what i do but because of who i am and so yeah that's been the the embracing it as a gift has probably been the the challenge um but that weekly reminder
0: is 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 of grace and and truth has been great as well i appreciate that so I'm gonna. Before I ask Esther this question, I need to kind of confess to you that this question comes out of a little bit of my own issues uh, as a pastor. Because because some of the times when we talk about Sabbath, uh, uh, different people will say, "Well, I I serve on Sunday. I, I you know so so Sunday can't be my Sabbath day." And and what? So this is my confession. Uh, My my reaction to that is, well, that might say more about the rest of your life than about Sunday because if serving for a couple of hours on a Sunday is enough to kind of spoil the whole day for Sabbath, that actually may be a a warning indicator on the dashboard of your life. that that the rest of my life might be a little bit out of out of whack. And sometimes that's just a season, right? We we go through different seasons. But if that's persistent, then that's something to pay attention to. And so one of the things that I've appreciated about Zach and Esther and Kezia is you do serve on Sundays very regularly, and Sunday uh, you know, has been your, your Sabbath day. So I I want you to help us think about that a little bit because that's the case for most of us here. New community is a church where most of us occasionally will serve on a Sunday morning. So so help us think about how service fits into keeping a, a Sunday Sabbath.
2: Sure, and I, I just want to speak to the burden thing first before I get into it. I think they're related. At first, if you haven't observed a Sabbath, Sabbath will feel like a burden at first. And it may feel that way for a little while and that's okay. I think like you have to practice something and push through those burden-like phases in order to get to the other side where it feels like a gift. So maybe it feels like a burden at at the beginning, but that should not be, like, don't stop. You know what I mean? Like, keep going. With regard to Sundays, I would say that it, it also reorients us to the way, like, Sabbath also reorients us to the way that we look at serving. So it's like You can look at serving and say, ah, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for the church. I'm like, you know, I'm getting up early, doing all that. Or you can say, I get to serve God. I get to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it just, it's like, um, I, I would say serving on a Sunday and sabbath are not incompatible. I think they're a continuation. So like if I if we serve on a Sunday and we're telling truths through worship or, you know, serving in nursery or whatever, the the rest of how you you live that the rest of that day is a continuation. So we don't necessarily look at it like that. The other thing I will say about serving is The times where I have spiritually been disconnected from God, from community, have been times where I have not served. So I would say serving God keeps us accountable. There's a, you know, I I think there's a real practical and useful component to serving. Zach and I have tried a couple times, more than a couple times, but there have been times where we're like, oh, we don't have to serve this week Let's not go to church. We've tried that a few times, and it just never works out for us. Like, Zach, I was like because we were talking about this yesterday, and he was like, yeah, it just doesn't work out. Like, sometimes we'll end up having to come to church anyway to give somebody something, or like, and then I was like, what else? Like, what else has happened when we've tried this in the past? And he's like, we've gotten in fights. Like, Kezia did something bad. Like, it just, it's like, it doesn't work out for us, so it's, you know, I think it's a message and we're like, oh, let's just go to church. I would say, like, serving is not antithetical to Sabbath. I think it's you know, kind of compliments. No, that's, that's fantastic.
0: So this is my last question uh, for Richard and for Esther, and then we're going to a- hear from you all. And you can choose to address your question to a specific person uh, or to the whole panel. And again, they're going to be succinct so we can hear from as many folks uh, as, as possible. One of the things about Sabbath that I've noticed is that we can kind of imagine it as a practice that needs to remain sort of pristine and behind museum glass in, in order to really experience it. But that's just not how we live and our lives change. And some of you right now, your life season looks so different than what you would have imagined it to be five years ago. And, and, and that's just life. Our, our lives regularly change. And so I wanted to to hear from Richard and Esther just about that dynamic of life change, life stages, seasons. How have you engaged with Sabbath in the very unpredictable nature of, of real life?
1: so pre-covid um and this is gonna this is you know this is nothing profound but pre-covid uh a lot of um you know in attempting to do sabbath on saturdays that was a challenge because not only did we have the kids activities but you know there's still um you know leaves to rake and and grass to mow and, and all the things you need to do right and so that that was certainly more challenging now post 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 covid I can actually do a lot of that. Uh, I hope my nobody's from my job is this, but I can do a lot of that during the week, right? And so that kind of frees up my Saturdays uh, to, you know, do the kid stuff and then and then just rest. Uh, so in a very practical way, that's been like the biggest change for me is that you know during my lunch break I'm like throwing in a load of laundry or doing the dishes or you know so all this stuff doesn't pile up at the end of the week. And it's, you know, one of those things that are, you know, it's unexpected. You know, you didn't realize it was there, but you kind of just recognize uh, where you're at. And listening to to Ms. Linda, I'm really looking forward to the empty nest, right? Where there's nothing to do on Saturdays and you can, you know, really enjoy it. So, yeah.
2: I think about this question a lot because, like, I never practiced Sabbath when I was single. And, you know, it was only after Zach and I were together that we started doing Sabbath. And so... I wonder what that would look like. When Kezia came into our lives, it was like we had to re figure out Sabbath, what that looked like. You know, timing things around naps and feedings and all of those, you know, during that period. And now, you know, activities and things like that. But in general, like we want her to understand the concept of Sabbath the same way that we do. And so if that means not scheduling For her things on Sabbath, so that she actually gets a rest from like lessons, piano, you know, ballet, like that is is ideal. I feel like our our children have to learn Sabbath too. And so this morning, you know, we asked her like, "What is Sabbath to you?" And she said, "We get to eat good food, we get to spend time with family and friends, and we get to do whatever we want." That's what she said, and we're like, "Ah, she gets it," you know, and then. Um, we asked her, and we've never talked about Sabbath with her before, you know. We just did it. And then we asked her, like, okay, well, what does that say about God to you? And she's like, oh, that he's good, and he's good, and he likes to give us good things. And then she's like, are you satisfied? And I was like, okay. No, thank you. Um, but that's not what, I, that wasn't my point. I wasn't trying to teach, you know, I was just asking, curious. Jeez. Um But she gets a break, and so she says things like, can I have a treat? Because on Sabbath we feast. Like, she kind of gets it. And so I I want us to have, like, that kind of childlike thing. Um, So practically, it means practicing what we preach to her. So, like, she gets a rest from things that she hates, like homework or whatever. We prepare for all of that the day before. I want to add a couple
0: things testimony-wise. Uh, there was a woman in our church a few years ago who was a graduate student at the law school at University of Chicago, and she committed to keeping Sabbath during her whole time at law school. And I didn't know this until she was finishing. She kind of told me this afterwards. And she, she said, it felt so impossible so many times, and yet I'm so glad that I did. She said, just my experience of these few years, as I compare my, my experience to that of my peers. I feel so much more rested, so much more in my right mind, so less uh, uh, tied in my identity to my performance. And she was just kind of sharing, you know, and it was, it was a hard thing for her um, as a, a single woman with so many obligations and priorities. Um, but again, life stages and, and kind of our postures during those life stages. This is the great uh, gift and challenge of, of Sabbath keeping, which becomes a parable for for the entire Christian life. We stand between God's good promises and what our world says is actually possible. We stand between what God said is, is good and true and abundant for us and what this world says is actually possible. No, you have to work this many hours. No, this this person gets to decide your your mental state, your emotional state. No, no, no. Th- th- this is what's possible. You are valued because of how much money you can make. And, and we stand between that and God's promises. To relinquish, to release, to entrust ourselves. And and, and in my experience, Sabbath, unlike so much else anchors us between those two stories. Uh, There's many ways in which you and I can follow Jesus theoretically in other areas and say, yes, spiritually, I'm trusting myself to God. Spiritually, I'm, I'm trusting that God is good and God is generous. Sabbath says, are you going to live it? Are you going to, with your checkbook and with your agenda and with your emotions, choose to lean in the direction of the promises of God rather than the deceptions of this world. and and for every single one of us that's going to look different because of the season, because of the stage, because of the assignment that God has on us in this particular moment. Uh, and so our my, my, my hope and my prayer for each of you is that is that as we as we accept this gift together this year, the promises of God will get louder in your ear. The faithfulness of God will get louder in your ear. The testimonies of what God has done that you have forgotten, if you're like me, will get louder in your ear. So that the false narratives and the deceptions and the exploitation and the extraction of the world that you and I inhabit will start to get turned down. And we will be able to say that is not inevitable. Yes, I have to live fully in this world, but there are opportunities because God is with me in this world to live differently. Spirit of God, give us a creative mind for that. We don't have what it takes on our own. We need your creativity. We need your truth. We need you to open up our eyes to what is possible. So we ask that you would do it. In Jesus' name
3: to come up to lead us.